Welcome to Bookish, Meet the Author. I am your host, Ebony Haywood, and this show is created by Clarissa Burt. Today, I am here with author Mickey Shepard. How are you, Mickey? I am fabulous. So grateful to be here. Glad to meet you. We are grateful to have you here. And Mickey is... I don't know why my why is my mic way on the other side. <laughs> okay, so hopefully I'm coming a little clearer now. Um, Mickey is the author of In a Heartbeat: The Miracle of a Family That Was Meant to Be, and uh, I am very um, interested in this. So let's just get started. Why did you write In a Heartbeat? Well, it's a, it's actually it was kind of in my head growing up. Um, when I was 12 years old, my mother remarried and typical 12 year old, I wanted nothing to do with him, but he was determined to win me over and he did. And that's why my name's Shepard. Cause I took his name, he, oh. he my dad. And I always wanted to write a story about him. Cause I was a very shy kid. He came along and just, I, I, my confidence grew, you know, I wasn't as afraid of trying things anyway, fast forward. Um, many years later, after I married my husband, we, we did everything we could do to have a baby and including a very nice trip to Hawaii, which was a lot of fun, but no baby. But, um, but I was very, very involved in real estate at the time. I was very politically involved in real estate. And so we traveled to all the real estate conventions. One year we went to San Antonio and I was stationed in the air force. So I had lived in San Antonio. Um, many years before. And I had a friend who said, you know, you haven't been here in years. Why don't we take the trolley car around and let, so you can see how the town has grown? So we did. We get off the trolley car and she says to me, have you and Tom ever thought about adopting? And I said, yeah, actually, we've talked about it. And uh, she said, well, look, I said, what's bringing that up? And she said, Mickey, every baby we've passed for the last two hours, your head is like olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> Looking over at it. And um so she said, let me just ask you a quick question. Would you, if you could? And I said, in a heartbeat. Mm. Okay, but I forgot all about that conversation, went about my life. Um, about a year and a half later, I had another real estate meeting. My husband calls and he says, we just got a call from a friend of someone named Carol Thompson. Do you know her? I said, yeah, she's my friend in San Antonio. And he said, well, she has a friend who has a friend who decided this morning to place her baby for adoption. She wants to know if we want him. I said, yes. <laughs> 19 days later, we had a baby. Wow. We hadn't even applied for a uh, home study or a dog. We hadn't done anything. I mean, it all happened so fast. I, I always kid, but it is true that he was my last real estate referral when we were in Colorado. <laughs> um, and also the most expensive. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so that became a thing for about 25 years, watching him grow up and how he affected our lives and everybody else's life. And it, to me, this is a miracle. You know, this woman gave us the greatest gift in the world. And she wasn't a kid. She, she was 33 years old, hmm. had a daughter with some serious health issues. She was in a very bad situation. She knew she couldn't bring him home to that. And she wanted him to have a life from day one. Mm -hmm. And um, and there were a lot of obstacles, including a, a very aggressive social worker in Minnesota who insisted the baby had to go into a foster home for six weeks. And I was in the delivery room with her. That baby was not going in a foster home. Mm -hmm. And um, and she said, fine, I'm just keeping him. And then she calls me, make it work, fix it, fix it, mm -hmm. <laughs> which we did. We did. We found a loophole. So um, 
it, which is a cute, I, I guess I should tell you that because there are some cute stories here. We were, we were in Minneapolis and um, it was time to take our son home. And we did find um, a little loophole that we weren't supposed to take the baby out of state. And at first they said, why don't Mickey comes home, does the home study. Tom, you go out there and be with the baby. And he said, you didn't talk to her last night. She's not leaving that baby. It's not going to happen. So find another way. So I'm in the hospital room. We're trying to figure out what are we going to do here? And my lawyer calls and he said, I don't want you to talk. I just want you to listen. I said, okay, so I'm going to tell you a story. And he said, you understand you're my client, right? I said, absolutely. And he said, okay, if you call me and tell me you are going to rob a liquor store, I have to turn you in as an officer of the court. But if you call me and tell me you robbed a liquor store, that's privileged information between me and my client. Get it? And I said, okay. So called my husband, said, ask his sister to call her travel agent friend, get us on a plane. We're out of here. And, mm. um, and we did. And I, I, we flew home and I called him and I said, we robbed a liquor store. He said, yeah, I knew you would. Enjoy the baby. <laughs> <laughs> he said, enjoy the baby. We'll talk on Monday. And, um, and it was cool because the hotel got into this, the hospital, this was a hospital where only people who were on welfare or criminals went, mm-hmm. um, which I learned very quickly after I got there, the lady at the front desk said, do not go outside alone. I'm going, why? I go everywhere alone. Not here, not here. Just mm. the baby hasn't come yet. Just relax. And I learned fast why 22 babies were born that night. Wow. Two were healthy. 20 were either hooked on heroin or cocaine. One of the healthy ones was my son. And because it is a kind of a sad place, um, they don't usually have good news stories happening there. The next thing you know, the doctor's calling in another nurse and they wanted to be in the delivery room. They wanted to be part of something wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they were. And the only little hitch was we were, you know, she, she about to deliver the baby and we're referring to him as CJ. And the doctor says, what does that stand for? And I said, it's Cameron Joel. Um, I said, he's going to have a very long name. So we're, we're going to do initials. And she said, how do you know it's a boy? Oh, I looked at Sharon. I said, how do we know it's a boy? She said, I had an ultrasound. And the doctor's shaking my head, shaking her head at me going, you're usually wrong. This was 1990. And they were usually wrong. Well, this one wasn't wrong. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and uh, but... So, you know, there were many things, but then they, they got into it. The hotel knew what was going on. I had just come from yet another realtor meeting in Washington, D.C. So I, I was broke. I mean, I, it was a seven-day convention. I was going home, and all of a sudden, I'm in Minnesota with a baby. So I called down to the desk, and I said, can you get me a cab? And he said, no, there's no cabs available today. I said, I need a cab to go to the airport. He said, we know. We already arranged for the transportation. Oh, they, wow. ar- they arranged for a limo. Mm. at cab prices wow so we could take her home and she had never been in one before and (sighs) and i'm crying the whole time and 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 she said you gotta stop crying before you get to the airport they're going to think something's wrong (laughs) and i go i don't know how to say thank you how am i supposed to let you out of this car and just say thank you and she said you already did 
go. Mm-hmm. And so she got out. The driver says she's the birth mother. I said, yes. And he said, well, she's right. You got to stop crying. And you got about 15 minutes before we get there. Mm. Said, okay, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> you know? uh, and I, obviously I did. So, I mean, there were just so many things. Yeah. And, uh, and just the, the last part of how the title came to be was that um, I don't I don't know if you're familiar with adoption. I sure wasn't, um, even though I, I come from a family that adopted and adopted like crazy. But we were mishmash together. Lots of families coming together, you know, some legal adoptions, some just you join the family. And um, which is why I have many brothers and or had. <laughs> and um, so but the day of the when you go to court to finalize everything. They locked the doors, by the way, which really surprised me. I'm going, why are they locking the doors? They don't, it's a courthouse. They don't want to take any chances that somebody's coming in there for the wrong reasons. It's a private matter. So they locked the courtroom. And the lady who did the home study got up under oath and said to the judge, in my 20 something years doing this, I have never said these words before, but I'm saying them today. This was a family that was meant to be. Hmm. So we got outside the courtroom and I went up to her and I said, did you mean what you just said? And she said, I was under oath. I said, okay, I want you to remember that. She said, why? I said, because the next time someone calls you and asks you about adopting and you ask them how old they are and they say they're 37, remember today. She said, oh my God, that was you? I said, that was me. I, I had called her a year before and she said my chances were slim to none. Oh, wow. So a lot of a lot of a lot of learning experiences happened throughout this. And, um, you know, (laughs) it's been it's been so amazing. And and my my son is wonderful. I mean, he's a grown man. He's Mm. he's, how old is he now? Thirty two. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty two. Very, I think, very, very handsome. I'm a mom, um, (laughs) but travels a lot um, for his job. Happy camper. Mm -hmm. He is fabulous with money. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he got that from my husband Mm -hmm. and uh, but just very responsible, nice person, you know, and very comfortable with his roots. That's wonderful. So Mickey, can you tell us about some misconceptions about adoption? I can. And, um, and this is the thing in Minneapolis was one of them. Um, at the time we adopt, it's not so much true now, although there still are a couple of states um, who do not recognize independent adoptions. And so, you know, we were in a situation where the birth mother found us. So we didn't need any matchmaking service here. We, we went, did it together. Yeah. But the state was trying to fight it. You know, they want, they, we put the baby in a foster home for six weeks. And she said, no, they miss out on their bonding and all this. And, and then getting the baby out of state that, you know, um, they were saying that you can't take the baby out of state. Well, there was a loophole that said, you can ask anyone to babysit your child for up to 30 days. And it didn't say where. Mm-hmm. So that's how we got out of state. One of the things I think people think, though, I, and I think for me, this was the biggest uh-huh, is that there's a waiting period. You know, first there's a little waiting period, like in our case it was 14 days. That's from the time you terminate the birth mother's rights. She has 14 days to change her mind. And and please God, don't do it. But you know, yeah. that's how I felt. That's how I felt in the delivery room when they asked me, who do I give the baby to? And I'm going, if she can't do it now, break my heart now. Yeah. And I said, yeah. give him to give him to her. And she welcomed him to the world 
and said, I want you to meet your mom. I cried for a week. I mean, this is a lot of crying going on here, but, um, but so that was, that was part of it. The changing of, of their minds. We had the six months after that. And I always thought, and I'm probably watched too many movies, but I always thought that six months was for the birth mom, birth parents to change their mind. It's not, it's for the adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. their minds. So all those horrible stories, which was the other reason I wanted to write the book. In 1990, when we adopted and then during those years, there were all these terrible stories. The baby Jessica story was a big one that, you know, a little two-year-old that was being ripped away from her adoptive parents. She didn't know anybody else. She was adopted at birth. And it was, that was a horrible case. In fact, our attorney was later responsible for implementing what became the baby Jessica law. So that mm. could never happen again. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that, so they think, you know, you can change your mind anytime. They worry about, I had a friend, and I think this really is a misconception. I've learned a lot because I, I do a podcast radio show that's called Adoption as a Choice. And that's its whole purpose is to raise awareness about adoption. And I've learned a lot from my guests. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this particular thing is that a lot of people think, and I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know if you have children or you've been around children, but when, when they're born, they're just, they're a child, but they don't come with preconceived notions and <laughs> things instilled in them. And when they right. turn 18, they're going to be bad. No, it's, that's not what happens. Right. You know, parents and children, I mean, you grow and you learn where you are, but I had a friend, they had adopted too. And when their son got to be about 15 years old, he was, he was trying drugs. He was getting into trouble and she's acting like there's nothing she can do. And I'm going, Linda, he's your son. You adopted him at birth. And she said, yeah, but you know, that's whatever's in his blood. Said, no. Right, yeah. <laughs> I said, how long have you known me? My name's Mickey Shepard. And you know, my father, George Shepard had no, no blood relation to me. And I, I'm constantly being told how much I was like him back mm -hmm. then. But that was their mindset. And I've come to learn from some of my guests on my show that, that's not unusual for people to believe that, that mm -hmm. there is mm -hmm. that problem. Then right. there, what, you know, there's open adoptions, there's closed adoptions. There used to be so many closed adoptions and records were sealed and you couldn't find out any information if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Honestly, very few people really want to. We've learned that this year too. They're the numbers, but at least they should be able to if they want to. Mm -hmm. um, but, but now there's all sorts of, uh, I mean, I, uh, a lot of my guests were in Texas this year and, and they, they, it's a lot of people that do an open adoption where the birth mother stays involved to a certain extent. Now we didn't do that. We both agreed that we wanted him to get on with his life and, but that I would send a letter once a year and, and pictures just so she always knew what was going on, but also, so I always knew where she was in case there was ever a medical situation or things like that. But, um, but some people aren't sure, you know, which way they should go. But that's okay. There are a lot of people out there to help them. I think the biggest obstacle is the money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when we adopted, there were no tax credits. There were no grants there, you know, nothing. We just had to come up with the money, but there are so many things that can help people now. And, and one of the things I've really been trying to promote to people that I've learned a lot about this year is um, one of my guests recently was um, involved with the Dave Thomas Foundation. And that's Wendy's Wonderful Kids. They strictly um, work on getting foster children adopted. 
we had like 50 foster children a day, something like that, that age out of foster care. Hmm. So if they go to college or they go get a job or whatever they do, they don't really have a family, mm-hmm. you know, to come home to and holidays and, you know, get their families together with. So that's a big issue. People need to check into that because there's a, they have a lot of grants available for people to help them do just that. Yeah. And those children, they just want to, they want somebody to love them and hug them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they're not looking for anything fancy. They just love. Yeah. Um, and I think they all deserve it. So my, I, I'm, I'm not trying to give you as many misconceptions as I can. I think one of the big reasons I wanted people <clears throat> wanted to write the book. I have my little mission. I keep, I've told everybody this, I'm not out to save the world, but I would love to change one birth mother's mind at mm-hmm. a time. Mm-hmm. I would love for her to feel what our birth mother felt. And, and she was a good example because she had had an abortion before. And always regretted it. She was going to do it again. Mm-hmm. But she started bleeding and just thought she miscarried, didn't go to a doctor, which is very typical for a lot of people in that situation when, when you know, they're not, they're not usually under a doctor's care, that kind of thing. And but then a few months later, she realized, oh, well, no, I am still pregnant. And she took it as a sign from God. She said it was a sign that he was giving her a chance to do something good with her life. And she had no support. Nobody, her mother, her family, friends, nobody supported her, but she stuck to it. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. knew it was the right thing to do for her and for her, her son. So that, that's a big part of it. People think that you can't bond. Um, they, it, it's so many different things that I can't believe. And then there's the words. You know, I, um, I, had, I live in a very, very tiny town. We have a blinking light, a deli, and a part-time post office so um and there one of my neighbors one day was saying he didn't understand that people could give up their baby Uh they're not giving up a baby they're giving a baby a life Uh a chance for life i said it's the biggest most courageous moment a woman can do it's hard this is not you know disposing of something this is lovingly choosing a path for your child Right. And it's, and it's difficult. There are, you know, there's, that's a lot of people have those, those terms. Mm-hmm. So we're trying, we're part of, part of it's trying to educate the world. You're placing a baby for adoption. You know, with a lot of the counselors, the wording I'm hearing them using that people that I've interviewed is that they help to, they're helping the birth mother, birth dad, if they want to be involved. And, you know, unfortunately they're not always, but often they are. Mm-hmm. So they're helping them choose a parent plan Mm -hmm. whether it be them Mm -hmm. or they're choosing another path for that child but they're very very involved in it you know and um and people can there are there are reputable agencies that where the birth mother birth parents can can see i hate to call it a resume but you know kind of a bio about the the wannabe adopted family let them really see is this do I feel comfortable here? It's not like it's a secret. It's not the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And um, and you can know and you can choose. Right. And yeah. so the more they know, the better off they are. Because the one thing I, I have never given birth and I've never had an abortion, but from people talking to people who've done both, mm-hmm. you never, you, you can never get that feeling back from aborting. Mm-hmm. But from adopting, you know, you 
you have a life that you put out there mm-hmm. and it does your heart good. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's her, it's hard. And yeah. I had a wonderful guest this year who had both situations. She was a birth mother and later she was an adoptive mom. And, and she agreed that, that it is a very different thing and, and you don't get over it. Mm-hmm. Like people just tell you, you just get over it. No. And we need babies, <laughs> but not to mention there are so many adoptive wannabe families out there. Right. You know? yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, uh, the power of words when people say, I gave up. I have, mm-hmm. don't, how would you give up? Um, and then you'd also earlier mentioned that your son is quite confident and self assured. And so let's talk a little bit about the power of words in the form of affirmations. Um, how yes. can, how can affirmations be used to help children grow into uh, wonderful? I love, uh, I love that question. Um, one of the things we did early, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. Um, and I, early on, we used to talk about affirmations. You know, you are what you think about Zig Ziglar used to say that, that, yeah. you know, you become what you think about the most. And we wanted him to grow up in, in that kind of a positive environment because the world is negative and uh-huh. you have to work at positive. Yeah. So, so we started coming up with um, affirmations like every day in every way I'm getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And, and my husband really worked with him on this. And, and as a very young child, we made it a game, you know, can I go do this? And we'd say, all right, but give me an affirmation. And, you know, he roll his eyes. That's what children do, mm-hmm. but he still did it. And, um, and because, and he said, I know what you speak about, you think about, I mean, he had it all down. <laughs> humoring us but nevertheless those things were in his head Uh and um and I think it does work and it occurred to me after the after COVID and children were kind of really displaced as far as their schooling that what a great thing that parents could start to do with children is start let's teach them some affirmations make it make it fun because if they say it they'll think it's silly but it stays in their head Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised what it will do. And so, I, I mean, we felt so strongly about it when we wrote our will when my son was a baby. We actually put the affirmations in the will. Wow. And insisted in case anything had happened when he was young, that we wanted people to still do this with him each day. Mm. We thought it was that important because our minds wander. I don't care if you're two years old or 52 years old. You know, your mind wanders. You're talking to yourself all the time. Right. So if you're going to talk to yourself all the time, why not try to program it a little bit with, yeah. with affirmations? Yeah. So that's the, uh, the one thing I think that it's also a misconception, just so I don't forget it, is I think what I really, really learned, I never wanted that awkward moment to happen where either I'm looking over a schoolyard fence and don't know who's watching my child or waiting for him to find out about his adoption. So he knew from the beginning, he may not have known what the word meant, but he knew always, always. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and this year I've met some people who didn't. And the, and most, the younger ones seem to have, have known, but there are people like in their fifties and sixties that found out very late in life and it, it was traumatic. So I think that's something that we can dispel with people now today. Yeah, yeah. You know, let them know because we. I wrote an article for the Colorado Springs Gazette Telegraph when we were still in Colorado, and my son was five years old at the time, and basically that story became the seed for in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. The day came to go for photo shoot, you know, for the paper, and uh, and all of a sudden my son is blocking the door, and so what are you doing? He said, 
the story's about me, right? I said, right? He said, so shouldn't I be in the picture? I said, yes. <laughs> I said, now, you know, this is a, this paper's going all over Colorado. And, you know, there are weird people. I said, you know, your, your classmates, parents will see it. Not everybody understands. And he said, I know what adoption means. I hmm. said, okay, what does adoption mean? He said, it means I'm special. I said, okay, little special man. I guess you need to change your clothes for the picture. Let's go. And, and we did. He was in the picture. But he, he, it was not a big deal to him because he always knew. Mm-hmm. And he was very secure. He knew it meant he was chosen. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's such you know? a great story. Yeah. Uh, Mickey, we're kind of uh, running low on time. But I want to I want to talk a little bit about how businesses can support you and your radio show to help oh. raise awareness around um, adoption, the loving choice of adoption. Oh, thank you. It's called Adoption as a Choice. It's mm-hmm. on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. We we've we've been growing like crazy. We started in January. We've had some fabulous, fabulous guests, mm-hmm. but now we need some sponsors. Um, advertisers, sponsors, it's a great venue. There's 400,000 listeners, I think, a day or whatever it is. I can get them the numbers. But um, just a great means. It's on live every week, and then, then it's a podcast 24-7 after that. And we've just been so excited about how it's grown. I realize, you know, sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time, and this is the year to be spreading awareness about adoption. And that's all I'm trying to do. Just spread mm-hmm. awareness, let people make their own choices. But how can you make a choice if you don't get the education? Exactly. So I would invite your listeners to go to adoption as a choice, all one word, mm-hmm. dot live, mm-hmm. and just pick pick one, anyone. And um, and then if you want to learn more about me or contact me, you can go to adoption as a choice dot com website. It also has all the episodes on there. Um, and I have one episode from March. That is continually the number one episode. It's just amazing that people just keep going back. And it's a big story about adopting from China and the U.S. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And buy the book. <laughs> yeah. So if they want to buy the book, Mickey, is that should they also go to adoptionasachoice.com? They can or they can go directly to Amazon. If they go to adoptionasachoice.com, there's a link directly to Mm-hmm. On. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a goal. I'd like to see this book in every pregnancy resource center in America. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's yeah. a short, it's a happy read, and I think it will change people's minds. Thank you so much for sharing your story with Thank us. Um, yes, it's, it was quite educational for us, for people like me who didn't know much about adoption, and um, it helped to debunk a lot of myths we have about a, about adoption, and it, it's just a heartwarming story all the way around. So thank you so much, Mickey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Bookish, and I will see you next time.